Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for movies that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week's film is special for two reasons. Reason number one, it's turning 25 years old. And reason number two, the fifth film in the franchise, is coming out later this month. Two very special reasons for me to say welcome to Jurassic Park. Yes, Jurassic Park is turning 25 years old, and so to mark the occasion, we are going to watch it with, as always, someone who has seen the film, and someone who has not. Our guest who has seen the film, and is very excited to be here, despite the fact that she's basically climbed out of her sickbed to join (laughs) us, that's how much she loves this film, it's Ellen Sears. Hello, Stephen. Uh, How are you feeling, Ellen? Oh, a bit like poo, but you know, that's all right. I had a cup of tea and I feel marginally better now. But yeah, I woke up this morning like, oh, today is just not a good day. Mm. But But that's okay. It's about to get better for you, though. Yeah, it is. Because you're going to watch Jurassic Park. Yeah, I am. So in a sort of uh, vague, non-spoilery sort of way, Alan, um, what are your thoughts on the film Jurassic Park? I have a very personal connection to this film because it came out in, well, it came out in 93. So we got a VHS copy of it probably around 94. So I was probably about six. I think my brother may have gotten it for Christmas. And I think I've probably watched that VHS tape a couple of hundred times. Because basically every time my cousin came over, my brother and I, we would get two lounge chairs, stick them together, make a nest and watch it. Um, So yeah, I've I've probably seen this film a a couple of hundred times. Easy. And I'm easy. And I'm guessing by the fact that you uh not only agreed to come on this podcast but basically demanded it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you uh you still quite like this film. I love this film. It's so great. And just the great part of the great thing about it is the fact that, you know, it's a great story. I mean, the book is great as well. Um great characters and a lot of dinosaurs just like messing stuff up, hmm. which is basically what you want in a Jurassic Park film, or now the Jurassic World trilogy that's been doing its thing. So, mm. yeah. and um, obviously Ju- Jurassic World Two: Fallen Kingdom, uh, yeah. or Two Jurassic Two Park, um, as all sequels should be called, uh, that's coming out soon. Do you have uh, high expectations for that? I mean, no. I know, I know you've seen not at all, <laughs> but you did see Jurassic World. Yeah, I saw Jurassic World, uh, which I enjoyed, apart from a couple of bits where I was like, "Oh, that seems like a bit much." Okay. Um, Honestly, I, I go to, especially the new rebooted ones, I, I'm, I'm not going to them for the plot or anything like that. I'm literally going to watch them to see dinosaurs mess things up and eat people. Mm. That's, what I, that's what I'm going to go and see the next Jurassic World for. Okie dokie. And also joining us on the podcast today, uh, someone who has not seen the film and making her debut on the program, please welcome Harriet Fettis. Hi, Stephen. How are you, Harriet? I'm very well, thank you. I'm like, poor Ellen, you poor thing. <laughs> yes. And um, Harriet, obviously this is your first time on the program. So who are you and what do you do? Um, well, I'm very excited to be here and um, I do a sort of mishmash of things. I'm a high school teacher and I'm also a performer uh, and I study currently studying a diploma course of acting whilst also teaching. So that it helps with my teaching because if I can be a better performer then I can teach kids to be a better performer mm. so you're a drama teacher yes yeah a drama teacher excellent nice and you've never seen jurassic park i've never seen jurassic park so i the film came out the year that i was born 
And so I wasn't really into watching films at that point in Mm. my life. And uh, then I do remember this one night sneaking down out of my room and into the living room. And my dad was watching Jurassic Park. And all I remember seeing is this, I think it was a yellow car, but I have no sort of proper memory of it. Mm. And I poked my head around the corner and there was this yellow car. And suddenly my dad was sort of ushering me out of the room Mm. and um, yeah, saying, oh, you can't watch this. You can't watch this. And yeah, ever since then, I've had a sort of curious fascination with this film. Mm. And uh, I have seen Jurassic World, but I, I don't think it will be... Um, I'm such an I I love originals, so I'm really excited to see the original. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I I mean I actually um, for for the listeners at home, I actually know your father, and um, I'm I'm not sure should I text him now just to say we're going to let Harriet watch this film now. Or? Yeah, I think I should have brought a permission slip or something. Yeah. to say that I'm allowed to. But mm-hmm. dinosaurs was always my favourite part of the Natural History Museum in mm-hmm. London when growing up over in England. So I love dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Well, you're about to get a boatload of them so yes yes it should be no no that's a different one that's a different one. Oh, of course yeah sorry the, the, the boatload of dinosaurs that was that was jurassic park 2 was it uh was that lost world wait there's more than one yeah there's three jurassic there, parks there were three original jurassic park films um and yeah. then they rebooted it with jurassic world i didn't know that oh <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird trilogy, really, because yeah, it's it's one of those where Jurassic Park came out, and then it was four years later that the second one came out with mm. um, with only one or two of the main characters from this film in it, and then likewise with the third one, it was yeah. sort of like they never got the whole gang back together in mm. it, in any sense, um, but they did have um, the leads from these films appear in subsequent films. Yeah. Um, wow. And two and three, they're not. I mean, Ellen, you've seen two and three, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, they're not. They're not as good as the first one. No, they're not as good as the first one. I would say the the, the second one is quite good up to a point. Um, the third one's kind of like, eh, yeah, like it, they that, after after the first two, they sort of start to get more formulaic. Mm. Um, and I think that's what has sort of happened with Jurassic World is they're kind of drawing on this formula that came out of this original the original trilogy, and then just kind of like doing slightly different things both times but it's more i think the jurassic world ones are more about like the jump scares and things whereas yeah jurassic park is genuinely actually scary like the fact that your parents were like no don't watch it it's gonna be too scary for you i totally get that because it used to frighten the socks off of me but i loved it but i mean yeah that's i think it's one of the few scary things i was actually allowed to watch as Mm. a kid because like i got banned from reading goosebumps books because i had such bad nightmares i got banned from uh i watched I watched some of Predator when I was about seven. Mm. That didn't, that didn't, that wasn't very good for me. Yeah, that, that'll leave a mark. <laughs> that gave me some very bad nightmares. Dante's Peak gave me nightmares. I wasn't allowed to watch the end of that one. Really? Alien gave me nightmares. Alien is scary. Though. Alien is very scary. Yeah. And I saw that when I was quite young as well. I was like seven or eight. And mm. so, yeah, there was a few things that I watched that I probably shouldn't have. But it yeah. Sounded like you needed Papa Fetus in the room going, get out, Ellen, get no, out. No, no. <laughs> well, I, I was the child who was genuinely terrified of the Easter bunny. So <laughs> they, they needed to keep me away from things like Jurassic Park, I think. That makes sense. Well, with that being the case, shall we watch the film? Yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, uh, for those of you listening at home, pop in your DVDs and uh, load your screensavers with Newman going, ah, 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 ah. You didn't say the magic word. Yes, uh, as we prepare to watch Jurassic Park. back everybody we have just finished watching jurassic park and by we i of course mean ellen yeah hello and harriet hello so harriet that was your first time watching jurassic park it was what did you think i thought it was amazing it was everything that i wanted and more i'm so glad i finally seen it Mm. it was so good it was and it was so timeless as well it didn't matter that it was made with that old technology and obviously had you know the graphics and everything were different from the Jurassic World graphics because it was it was just so beautifully done the animatronics were amazing mm. yeah it 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 is remarkable watching because this is the first time i've watched it in a few years mm. just how well it stands up even that that initial shot of the um, of the, the the big dinosaurs on the planes mm. it doesn't the brachiosaurus yes thank you all official dinosaur names will be supplied by ellen uh, but <laughs> when they when they're showing the brachiosaurus you're looking at it and going 
almost looks like a cartoon in in some respects. Yeah. But it doesn't feel any less grand for it, like because you've got the John Williams music, the way that it is shot, the way that it's presented. It still gives that sense it's, of scale and mass, epic. and you completely yeah. believe it. And I yeah. think as well that it's the performances from the live actors as well mm. that help you to believe it because mm. the the acting is so good. And mm. from what I understand as well, that first initial reveal of them seeing the Brachiosaurus and then like all the like th- that was them actually seeing these things the first time and just being like, "Oh my god!" So, yeah, genuine, genuine, genuine. Like a genuine, like oh, as it would be, well, and I think they, I think he did that a bit in this film. In terms of Spielberg, in terms of what they had a big Brachiosaurus puppet there, or yeah, it was something okay. like that. I feel like some of those like initial shots. I mean that. I mean I don't know if that's in the trivia troll or not, but I feel like that's something that I've read about this film at some point. Hmm. Well, I know that um, Jeff Goldblum did all of his in one take. Um, all of his reaction stuff was just that he nailed it first time. Of course he, he used did. his initial reaction. Of course he did. He's Jeff Goldblum. Mm. I love the fact that he's become relevant again. Everyone's like, yes, Jeff Goldblum. It's like, mm. yeah. The moment when I realised Jeff Goldblum was in this film mm. was like, I had so I had so much joy just mm. flood through me. It was. And yes. that was the really fun thing about, obviously, watching this with a first-time viewer is when certain faces turn up, like when Samuel L. Jackson turns up. What a classic. In, in, in essentially a bit part in this film. And yeah, lovely uh, Harriet is here, just going, uh, "Oh my, oh, <laughs> I know that who that is. It's that guy." Yeah. yeah. And then, um, what's his face is Nedry as well. Oh yeah, Wayne Knight. Yeah, Wayne yeah. Knight. And he turns up and he's like, "Oh, that guy." Ellen, this was your first time watching this film since when? Uh, I don't know, probably a couple of years. Mm. How was it for you revisiting Jurassic Park? I love this film so much. It scared the absolute bejesus out of me. And, like, the fun thing was, was, again, it was very similar to, um, we were talking about watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail um, very early on in the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Another one which I demanded to be on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I was like, no, you can't do that one without me. Um, But, yeah, a lot of it was, I was watching Harriet and just being, like, waiting for stuff that would be like, oh, it's a bit coming up. I'm not going to say what it is, but it's coming. Hmm. It's coming. You'll know when it's there. And it was like, ah, I'm like, yes, it's hmm. so good. Yeah. And it, I mean, it is a very well put together mm-hmm. film that does evoke very specific reactions, which I yeah. think is always the, the mark of a film that has been well crafted, a mm. film that has been well cared for. And, that, you know, this is this is peak Spielberg. Like, you have to remember yeah. the year that this film came out, he also released a little film called Schindler's List. Oh. He made those two films at the same time. So they filmed Jurassic. No big deal. Yeah, they filmed Jurassic Park, and then he left at the beginning of the editing process to go and start filming Schindler's List, which wow. was mostly filmed in Europe. And his evenings and weekends, while he wasn't filming Schindler's List, was editing Jurassic Park. Well, they oh were filming gosh. this in what ninety one. Ninety. Yeah, it was about a two year shoot. What a time. Yeah, and 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 actually, he did comment as well that like Jurassic Park, it, it was a really hard slog because obviously Schindler's List was such a such an intense film to work on, an intense film for him personally as well, um, because obviously, um, you know, with him being Jewish and with mm. it dealing with the Holocaust, and he he said that what he had to do is after a day of filming Schindler's List, which was really gruelling, he'd have to spend an hour just completely resetting himself and then spending the evenings editing CGI dinosaurs. And that was sort of his way of coping. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a bit of that in terms of like Jurassic Park, it does feel like slipping into a warm bath. Mm. Yeah, in yeah. that kind of sense. It's very comfortable. There's someone that I've seen this film a few times, and it's something where I'm kind of like, "Oh yeah, this this feels nice. This feels this feels right." Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that sort of feeling, which um, it's just classic. Yeah. It's it, just such a classic, classic film. Mm. I enjoyed it too because there were moments when I genuinely didn't know what was going to happen next. Yeah. And I think with these types of films, you often, uh, sometimes it's quite obvious what's going to happen next. But yeah. there were genuine moments where I was really um, scared or shocked. And mm. then there was moments when the plot changed and mm. yeah, it wasn't as obvious as it potentially could have been, which was I, great. I, I was really surprised that you had absolutely no foreknowledge at all about the car scene when the T-Rex puts its face down in the car because that's a really, really well-known scene. And there was a few things like that throughout. And I was like, man, you really don't know anything about this film at all because you were getting really like, oh my God, about all the bits. And I'm like, yes, this is so good. It was so lovely. Yeah, it was a completely, I was a complete blank canvas for the Mm. viewing experience, which was great. Hmm. The film begins uh, with that really excellent opening scene of a dinosaur in a cage uh, being loaded um, 
with a load of like dock workers or mm-hmm. like uh, construction workers around all around their Jurassic Park branded oh. helmets. Uh, but it gets a bit loose and we see that guy getting dragged in and Muldoon's there trying to hold on to him and going, Shooter! Shooter! And it the, kind of... It get, c- that yeah. shot of, of the that hand just like... Yeah. Going through, like slipping through his grasp. Yeah. Just, ah, so good. But it really kind of perfectly sort of sets up what this film is because then we don't really see much in the way of like action or terror or anything until we get to that T-Rex scene. And that's getting close to an hour into the film yeah like it's 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 like we start on just a little bit of moment of peril a little bit of the mystery and then it's all positive from there for a good half an hour Mm. you know it's Mm -hmm. all well they make it very very you don't get to see the velociraptors in that first bit Mm. you see a very very big close-up of the eye and then you don't really get to see them until well into all of the drama Mm. and whatever else yeah, because and again, you don't see them when we first go to the paddock, and mm. yeah, it's 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 like a nice surprise. It's it's that it's that very classic monster movie thing where you see bits of it, but it takes until three quarters away bef- through the movie before you actually see the full monster. Mm. Yeah, and it's very well paced as well. Like the fact that the first dinosaurs we see, as part of that sense of building wonder, are the herbivores, are the yeah. ones that aren't a direct threat to mm. to to well, to us. <laughs> yeah, because they're not mm. going to eat us. Um, but yeah, I just think it's also a very well structured film. When we are introduced to Dr. Grant and Dr. Ellie Sattler, um, they are working out in the field as um, as archaeologists on an archaeological dig. Um, mm. With obviously uh, Dr. Grant's speciality being um, the actual creatures themselves, and he's talking about his theory about how their dinosaurs became birds. And you've got Dr. Sattler who's focused on like the plant life side of things. And their dig is interrupted by the arrival of Dr. John Hammond. Not like, before Grant has scared the bejesus out of that kid, though. Yeah, I did write down Grant psychologically scars a child when yeah. the child's like, this dig's boring. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got this velociraptor claw. And he totally ripped your guts open and eat you alive. Enjoy your day. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yeah. He he's does, su- he's yeah. such a dad without wanting or desiring to mm. be. But I think, it, I think it's interesting that his character trait that they chose to focus on was his relationship with children or the fact that it didn't really exist mm. and that he didn't want to be a father. I just want to do my work. I just want to to do the dinosaur thing. And then you've got Ellie, who's, you know, his partner, who's there going like, I want some kids. Like, mm. let's, let's do this. And he's very um, reticent. Mm. He doesn't want that at all. I mean, that obviously comes in in later films as well, but I'm not going to go there because yes. you might want to watch them, Harriet. And... <laughs> I, I need to watch them now. I need to have a Jurassic Park weekend where mm. i watch two and watch three two and three mm. Mm. yes well i mean we will warn you now they're not as good as this one but they're still they're still okay to be fair though some of the some of the stuff in the second film has got some nice like ratcheting up the tension yeah and some, i mean some t- yeah. nice things two is still quite good it's still spielberg in charge of that one um but yes it's um it's it, they're not as good they're not as good basically but but still worth watching um but yes, we, we see their, their their dig is interrupted by the arrival of a helicopter, and that's because in their trailer, stealing their champagne, is Dr. John Hammond, uh, who I think you described as looking like the KFC man yes, a few years on. He does. He's, it's it's like what happened to the colonel. Mm. He he left and built, built a, a dinosaur park. Mm. Dealing with entirely different birds and teams. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, yeah, played by uh, the... Fantastic Richard Attenborough. Who, that blew my mind as well. Yeah, well, the fact that he is the brother, the older brother of David. Absolutely. And it, it made me trust him and his <laughs> dinosaurs. And it made that that eventual sort of like mad scientist thing. It gave it a bit more credence, but it also made it kind of like, no, but you're an Attenborough. You're meant to know how wildlife works. What are you doing, Hammond? What are you doing? It was like it was like finding out in like the final Harry Potter book that Dumbledore was actually a bit of a dick all along. And it's like, no, why? It was that same sort of level of betrayal. You've just given me the idea of Richard Attenborough playing Dumbledore, though. Oh, that would have been so good, though. Welcome to Hogwarts. Da, 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 <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, he would have been a bit Scottish. That would have been good. So they get the uh, the flight over to Oahu, sorry, to um, to the island of dinosaurs. Isla Nubla. <laughs> yes, Isla Nubla. And um, they, on the helicopter, they are introduced to uh, the sexiest chaos theorist in the world, Dr. Ian Malcolm, as played by Mr. Jeff Goldblum. Um, this is like 
peak Goldblum yeah. this film, like, it's, honestly. Yeah, Goldblum was the damsel in distress and the eye candy of this film. Yeah. He was. And it, and which is beautiful. That. And it works. It works so well. Um, and, yeah, it's, it is quite amazing that he does almost steal the show in a film where they bring dinosaurs back to life. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's he's just tremendously good fun, and he's dressed all in black, like you said. He's dressed a bit like the, like a rock star. The leather jacket. I was really attached to that leather jacket. I was sad to see it go. Yeah, but then <laughs> you got shirtless Goldblum from that. So. Well, exactly. Yeah. So I can't complain. Exactly. <laughs> this is such a meme-worthy film. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and so they're taken to the island, and Doctor Hammond does the big reveal of like, look, a dinosaur, and they all go, oh my god, and he explains that basically what they've done is they've extracted DNA from. Uh, mosquitoes which were trapped in amber and from that dna they're able to piece it together with frog dna to make essentially clone dinosaurs kind of like mm. basically a rough approximation of what dinosaurs were when they were roaming around the world um and he's trying to set it up as a theme park and he just needs these guys to sign it off by spending a weekend there it's essentially almost like they spend a night in a haunted mansion uh, yeah. <laughs> scenario and you you get the house um but as we go through the park we see there are Many, problems. many issues, yeah. Um, and it all starts, it all really starts when they're on the tour and they see the Velociraptor hatching. And you've got um, Dr. Henry, uh, Benedict Wong, um, yeah. in his tiny two-minute cameo. That was so good. Yes. The fact that it ties in to Jurassic World. Yeah, the fact that we were like, hmm, hey, Ben, are you doing anything? Can we get you into Jurassic World? And turn him into, like, a much bigger character. Yeah. Yeah, it gave it that sort of credence um, that for the Jurassic World films. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, we see the characters kind of going, oh yeah, no, we're just making new dinosaurs. And in, oh, this is a baby velociraptor. And Dr. Grant's like, you've bred raptors? Yeah. Oh, and he does that Sam Neill stare of like, this is not good. The thousand yard stare. <laughs> yeah. Just... Bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. Um, and then, yeah, it, it, it all becomes uh, very... Uh, I suppose, you know, synonymous with lots of these things about, you know, man playing God uh, mm. or, or you know, humanity pushing the boundaries and the maybe eth- pushing it the too eth- far. The ethical quandaries of yeah. cloning dinosaurs and dropping them into the present day. It's like, mm, maybe we should have, you know, instigated a law against this yeah. possibly. Yeah, and it's like uh, Ian says in this, Jeff Goldblum's character, it's like your scientists are so busy saying if they could do it, they never stopped and thought whether they should do it. Mm, and the exactly, fi- yeah. yeah. And the film does present that argument very, very clearly, where it's like... But I don't think it ever really falls on one side or another. Yeah. In terms of, like, in terms of as a debate. Like, in terms of, like, the film's message, it's like, oh, yeah, if you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. Yeah. If you play and with I mean, dinosaurs, fair, you're yeah. going to get chomped. Yeah, um, and I mean, to be fair, like, the hubris kind of, like, you yeah. know... Kills them. And the lawyer who's like, we're going to make so much money out of this. Yes, brilliant. He gets eaten as mm. the ultimate symbol of, well, <laughs> money ain't going to save you when there's a T-Rex chomping on you. Mm. But I, I still feel as though Hammond and his idea, although it's it's seen as the, the inferior idea to, to all this chaos theory, uh, natural selection stuff, I still feel as though I came away from watching this film not completely swayed against that argument. about mm. Because Hammond... In a way, Hammond is like P.T. Barnum with a chemistry set. He's he's trying to create yeah, this this of. big yeah. showcase of yeah. He wants to be a showman. He he did the flea circus. He tell in that scene with the ice cream with Laura Dern uh, with them um, Ellie Sadler. He's mm. he's saying um, you know I did a flea circus and I wanted to sh- present something that was real. But then obviously you get the counter argument of it's not real. I just think it's a really interesting to throw that into the middle of a early nineties blockbuster. Yeah, which scene? scared you the most harriet i think that the dinosaur chomping down on the car was terrifying just because it was the first time seeing those beautiful animatronic puppets up close and it seemed so real and the kids were so good at acting terrified that it just yeah that really scared me I got such a jump scare when Ellie um, put the power back on and the dinosaur yeah. came in through the wall, physically mm. jumped, verbally jumped. Um, <laughs> and um, the kitchen scene also mm. was, there was so much suspense. Um, it's a really scary scene. Yeah. So scary. Yeah. And I, th- I think the way that suspense is used is is very very effective i mean that whole sequence with with the cars and with the t-rex pushing her head through and trying to get the kids but there's that pain of like perspex glass in the way um 
yeah, I'm, I'm watching that. I'm going, oh, that, it is terrifying. Mm. I, 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 I'd sort of forgotten about. I remembered her flipping the car over and crushing it with the kids inside, mm. but I'd forgotten that the T Rex goes and sticks her head inside the car. Mm. I was like, oh mm. yeah, that's and right. And you can see the glass like shattering mm. above them, sort of thing. The the other thing that I love about that scene is the fact you were talking about suspense. It builds so beautifully because it starts off they're bored and they're sitting in the car, and then there's the impact tremor in the glass of water, which is that really, really iconic, iconic, iconic shot. Um, and then that builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up and then the goat leg and then all the other things and it all builds up to the T-Rex just like stomping mm. over the barrier like, yeah, I'm going to mess you up. And mm. it's like, oh, and, mate. And then as, as Harriet said, you, you get to see that wonderful, amazing mm. life-size T-Rex puppet, which yeah. is just... So, so cool. And I, th- yeah, I think it made it scarier because I was watching, it's like, fair enough, You there's part of you that there's like 3% of you that's aware that you're watching a puppet, but equally it makes it so real because it's normally these big. days when you watch something like that, you would be thinking it, it's graphics, you know, mm. those, those kids would have been being poked at with giant green tennis balls. Yeah. Um, whereas those kids were in that car with the Perspex glass with an actual life-size puppet head. And that would have been, that, I think that would have been frightening, even though obviously the children would have known that they were on a film set and it was a puppet. But yeah. I think that still would have been terrifying. Yeah, I think it makes it easier to act opposite, mm. I suppose. Um, mm. And then, you know, obviously we see... Um, Ian and, and Alan do their do their rescue with the flares. Uh, Ian gets totaled and thrown into the side of this, um, well, into the the toilet restroom area. That all falls apart with the lawyer sat on the toilet. That was the thing I always remembered most as a kid watching this film was the lawyer getting eaten off the toilet. Getting eaten off the toilet. <laughs> yeah, I, I that's just, a bad way to go. Yeah, it is. But but it, it's still very memorable. And the way it just kind of hump, picks up half of him and then shakes him. Yes, like that was just. And then later, kind when they, and then later they come him. back and they're like, I think this was Gennaro. Yeah, I think this was too. <laughs> yeah. And they're 10 metres apart. Yeah. yeah. Not not a pleasant way to go, um, but very, very effective. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you've got Alan is forced to rescue the kids. He rescues Timmy from the tree, mm-hmm. uh, from the car that keeps falling down the tree. Then they're, um, you know, they have to hide in another tree. And, and you know, he's, he, he essentially is like, his fatherhood is thrust upon him. Um, and he, he does a, pretty good job it, you know he's kind of like in his element it's like oh no but it's dinosaurs <laughs> oh but it's parenting but it's dinosaurs um and yeah it's it, it is a pretty good performance from sam neill who, yeah he's great i mean he's not a traditional like hollywood leading man no but in a lot of ways this film isn't a traditional hollywood blockbuster even though it's one of those ones when you say name a hollywood blockbuster mm-hmm. you'd probably say jurassic park in your first ten. but i think it works because you look at sam neill and you go you could be an archaeologist yes definitely like he's not he's not ripped he's not like got a jawline that's that's amazing or anything like that mm-hmm. but I, and, and similarly I, I don't think there really was anyone in this film that you looked at and you were like oh these people look like film stars you know like hammond like richard attenborough had very sort of english teeth they were a bit all over the place um you know uh wayne knight is a fantastic actor but he's like 300 pounds he's, mm. he's a very big heavy set dude mm. um samuel l jackson had male pattern boldness you know it was all it felt real i guess because nobody was like nobody was bryce dallas howard or chris pratt yeah. who I've, chiseled out of rock yeah. yeah and like they're good actors but it feels more mm. like you can relate to it more yeah if it, this felt felt more relatable and i think part of that is also down to the way that the dialogue was done as well because obviously it's very sort of true to life and they talk over each other and they sort of mm. ramble on and rattle. It's not that I'm going to say my line. I'm going to say my line. I'm going to say my line, that back and forth. Again. Third line coming from over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mysteriously from the clouds. Yeah, but they, but they, but they, you know, like a lot of movies now, they're so scripted. There's no overlay. And then mm. you have something like this or like uh, if, if we're talking about other big blockbuster type things, you look at something like, Iron Man, say, mm. where they're just constantly talking over each other and just like, da, 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 and they're mm. having like three separate conversations at the same time, which I feel is a lot more kind of true to life as opposed to the ones where it's like, I'm making a big declamatory statement. Mm. I'm also making a big declamatory statement. And it's hard to do that when you've got Jeff Goldblum in the film, just yeah. because of the way he acts. And like, here's these pauses where you think the sentence has finished, but then he'll continue and you know the line is scripted to end a certain way, but he'll stop right about here 
and then conclude. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. but it changes all the time, and it it does feel more conversational. And it's, mm. I think that is, it's effective. It got a little muddled at parts sometimes. I yeah, found like particularly in the scene where they're eating around the slideshow projection room, uh, where it's just showing like the future of the park, and they're having their meal. Mm-hmm. Um, it did feel it got a little bit muddled, but it also felt more true to life, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I like this film. I like mm. films that do that. What did we think of Wayne Knight? Because we just touched on him briefly there, but playing as Dennis Nedry, He's this guy. He's such a jerk. Yeah. Nedry is such a jerk, and he plays it so well. Yeah. yeah there are people that you just think, you're the worst, and mm. then and then there's Nedry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, he's, he's irresponsible. And I think, again, it's one of those things where you look at Wayne Knight and you always go, oh, Newman from Seinfeld. Mm. You know, you just want to shake your fist and go, Newman, all the time. But even though he still looks like Newman in this film, and he's basically doing a lot of the same things... It is quite an interesting performance where, you know, he's when he's in that that uh, meeting in Costa Rica and he's meeting with the guy who's like, OK, so you're going to hide the dinosaur DNA in this specially adapted shaving can. And he's giggling like an idiot. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. going to be that fair, kind of they did just give him a bag full of money. Yeah. But then he like but then they do that wonderful thing of when the bill comes mm. and he's like not saying anything, but he's just doing amazing eye acting, looking mm. to the guy who he's with, looking at the bill, looking at the guy and going you know don't go cheap on me now dodson like and it's yeah wayne knight is a pretty amazing actor mm. but i think we lose mm. some of that given the fact that it, well partly because of how he looks because he is a big a big dude mm. um and also because most of the characters he's played have been these cackling sort, villains yeah cackling nerdy ne'er-do-wells essentially mm. um but he's great in this he is and, like, so and his scene with the dinosaur that spits the poison in the acid. The Dilophosaurus, Thank yes. you very much, with the Dilophosaurus. <laughs> it is it is great. I may have watched this film a few times. Yeah. Just a few times. But it is great seeing, like, you know, him... It, it, it's, it's satisfying seeing him get his comeuppance, but it's also a, just a really good performance, considering it's Wayne Knight by himself with some puppets. Yes. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah when he's hmm. getting chewed in the car. Yeah. There's it, a lot of that as well, though. It's nice because, I mean, obviously to try and keep that PG rating, and also because it would have been very hard to do people actually getting chomped by dinosaurs. So it's all kind of implied, mm. but you don't get to see a lot of it, apart from that one money shot of, you know, old mate Gennaro getting chewed up by the T-Rex, mm. which I think is good because all the other ones, they kind of leave it almost up to your imagination, which makes mm. it so much worse in yeah. a lot of ways. How did Mr. Arnold's arm end up in a position where it could fall on Laura Dern's <laughs> shoulder like that in the power room? Yeah, I mean... It yeah, it does make it a bit more huh. like I don't want to imagine what like what that, happened. Yeah, what like for example the, it... the inside of that jeep with that much uh, Dennis Nedry to tear up. Yeah, not not oh. yeah. I don't want to see what that looks oh, like. Oh no, sorry, Harry. <laughs> All of the intestines. <laughs> Lovely. Hmm. Um, I guess favorite death because it's one of those films where you can oh, have favorite deaths. Eat, eaten off the toilet. Yeah. I mean, I I find, even though I liked the character, I think Muldoon's death might be the best in the film, though. Yeah, it's a good point. Because it's set up with the fact they talk about the way that the velociraptors hunt in packs, and he falls into that trap and Mm. realises it at the last possible moment. And And it's such a lovely payoff from the beginning when you've had Grant talking about the about how they hunt mm. and how I mean, they're from intelligent the side and they're smart and they do the things and mm. Muldoon's like yeah no I got this I got oh yeah you got me yeah but obviously in his wonderful uh, voice just going clever girl Blah, gets, gets gets taken out yeah gets I would also head. just like to um vouch for the uh, for the goat death because that's yeah because it that goats, was excellent goats on the chain one minute yeah gone the next goat leg on the on the car the next minute yeah yeah, and like you say, whoever threw that must have had a fun time. Yeah, I want that job. On a film set. Yeah. Being in charge of all goat legs. I want to be a goat leg thrower and a dinosaur foot puppet walker. Mm. I mean, and like with the kitchen scene, because we were looking at all the different ways that the puppetry was done, and you've got those shots of just the feet moving. Mm. Obviously, we've never seen velociraptors walk. Yeah. Uh, we just arrived, you know, like several million years too late for that, <laughs> but looked really effective. Yeah. I, 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 you know, at no point are you thinking, mm, that's that's a bit weird. That doesn't look quite right. I think the only time it doesn't look quite right is when the Velociraptor like just lands with two feet. Mm. Almost like it's just jumped, like, boom, feet. Um, because the feet just sort of land and don't, like, adjust mm. for balance or anything. Mm. Other than that, though, when it's when they're stepping through the kitchen, you just see those feet and you see that claw and it starts to tap, you know, the... the so good. Like that. It's, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's so suspenseful, that kitchen scene. Mm. Terrifying. 
I remember the jeep chase being much longer than it yeah, was. Yeah, no, it's, it's, not, it's, it's very short. It's done very quickly. But it's, you know, it's iconic. It's got the shot of the uh, the car mirror showing yeah. you the dinosaur and the, you know, objects in this mirror may be closer than they appear. That, that was so funny. Yeah. Must go faster. Must go faster. Mm. But that that feels like one of, like, the top four or five iconic scenes mm. from this film. Mm. And it's done in a flash. Yeah. Like, it's not a big part of the film at all. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just a very well-layered film. Yeah. And... Um, I really enjoyed jumping back into it and uh, presumably given that you said it was amazing. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I need to watch it again tomorrow just to fully appreciate it. But this is such so much my jam. It's, mm. it's dinosaurs and action. Yeah, it's it was mm. just everything. I, it was everything I expected and more. So, yeah. Mm. Would you guys like to hear some trivia about this film. I would always. love to. Excellent. Uh, this trivia is, as always, sourced from the IMDb trivia section. Um, so if it's not true, it's IMDb's fault. <laughs> uh, but generally, they're pretty good. The T-Rex puppet occasionally malfunctioned uh, due to the rain. <laughs> Producer Kathleen Kennedy recalls, quote, The T-Rex went into the heebie-jeebies sometimes and scared the crap out of us. We'd be, like, eating lunch, and all of a sudden the T-Rex would come alive. (laughs) At first we didn't know what was happening, then we realised it was the rain, but you could hear people screaming. So, yeah, end quote. So, yeah, this this T-Rex puppet would occasionally, because it's, you know, animatronic, would occasionally, when the water got into the wrong spot, just start to move. Start to move. Oh, don't. That would be so scary. Yeah, and given how effective it looked already, like, if there's nobody controlling it, it just starts to go. It's alive. Mm. Um, Spielberg wanted the velociraptors to be about 10 feet tall, which was taller than they were known to be. But during the filming, paleontologists uncovered 10 foot tall specimens of raptors called Utah raptors. The velociraptors weren't actually like there's lots of different subspecies and genuses of them. And I'm fairly sure that velociraptors are not that don't didn't actually look like the ones that they had in there. No, I think current studies, as best as I've kept up with uh, current archaeological news, which is not at all, uh, but my current understanding is that they were very feathery and sort of like large chickens in size. Yeah. So. Classic chicken mm. raptors. That's why he looked like the colonel. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I knew it. (laughs) Yeah, KFD, Kentucky Fried Dinosaur. Uh, when Hurricane Aniki hit, the casting crew were required to move into the ballroom of the hotel in which they were staying. Sir Richard Attenborough, however, stayed in his hotel room and slept through the entire hurricane. <laughs> when asked about how he could have possibly done this, he replied, My dear boy, I survived the Blitz. <laughs> Bless him. Which makes Hur- perfect sense. Hurricane Aniki was hardcore, though. Like, that was a really, really full-on storm. It basically flattened the islands. And it's also the reason that Hawaii, the Hawaiian Islands now have a massive population of feral chickens. Oh, because all the chickens got blown about. Yeah, all the chicken coops got upended during the hurricane. So when I was there four years ago, um, and we were doing all the movie tours and things, there were just feral cats and feral chickens everywhere. And they were like, you want to know how the chickens got here? Well, all the coops got upended. The chickens went everywhere. And I was like, are these your chickens or my chickens? Because a lot of people had them and so now there's this massive population of feral chickens on the islands and it's gotten to the point where there's so many of them that people are actually um studying them like biologists are actually studying them because of the interbreeding and all the weird stuff that they've done with them does that mean that like the hurricane was ending and just descending from the sky mary poppins style was just hundreds of chickens yeah Mm. pretty much what a sight and now sam neil would be walking around just finding eggs going they're breeding. They're breeding. Life finds a way. Um, speaking of that hurricane, though, so uh, principal photography had started, and um, you know, you might have to help me with pronunciation. Yeah. Kauai. Yeah, Kauai. Hey, there we go. Uh, the island of Kauai in August 1992. Um, oh, Kauai. The the lush resort was ideal uh, for obviously this wonderful tropical island, but three weeks uh, into filming. Hurricane Aniki came and the crew were asked by the hotel to pack their suitcases, fill their bathtubs with water in case of a shortage of power and water supplies. So they still had fresh water. And um, yeah, they all had to stay in the uh, ballroom unless you're a blitz survivor. Um, (laughs) And when it all wrapped up, um, obviously they they 
survived the hurricane, but it sounded that there were winds of like 120 miles an hour going past, and Kathleen Kennedy, who was obviously on site, said it sounded like there was just a freight train going past all night um, when it when it oh struck. Uh, when Aniki struck, um, there were no working phones or power on Kauai, which is maybe why their acting was really good in that in that scene towards the end. They knew. To, yeah, they were like, oh, we know what it's like when the phones don't work. We'll, we'll get this working right away. Um, so with no phones working, Kathleen Kennedy jogged to the airport to mm. explore their options uh, and all the windows and the terminals were blown out and it was completely destroyed, basically. Uh, and so Kathleen Kennedy hitched a lift to Honolulu on a Salvation Army plane and began organising all the film stuff from a payphone in Honol- Honolulu. This is probably why they gave her the Star Wars job, because she handled this so well. Yeah, to be wow. honest. Yeah. What um, over 24 hours, she coordinated the safe return of the company and arranged for more than £20,000 of relief supplies to be transported um, from Honolulu and Los Angeles to Kauai. Um, so yeah, they helped out like with the local community. As they well. helped oh, out a lot good. with rebuilding as well. And the other thing that they did because they had all of their generators, because obviously they were doing a lot of like on-site filming. They used their generators to help, you know, people who had no power and stuff. So yeah, the the people who were working on this film, they they did a lot of help with the relief effort. The hurricane did cost us. Um a scene though of seeing what actually happened to Mr. Arnold to Samuel L. Jackson's character Um, he was supposed to fly to Hawaii to film Arnold's death scene but the hurricane destroyed that set Um, and so the scene was scrapped Um, and that's why we got the R that's why we got the R but Samuel L. Jackson uh, regrets this because um, they were going to physically chase and kill him and he really wanted to do the scene but yeah they couldn't do it so yeah that hurricane was pretty destructive but I I think they did a good job working around it like, yeah, they literally went out and were like, we're going to film some of this crazy weather. And it's in the film. It's in the film. All of the cast were given a Raptor model signed by Steven Spielberg as a gift. Uh, it looked very frightening. And uh, Ariana Richards has it in her house to shock anyone who's coming in like a guard at the gate. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's model has a prime spot in his house and is a cherished object. Uh, Laura Dern put her Raptor model in her son's room near his crib. When he was older, he saw it and screamed like he had never seen it before, and she had to put it into storage. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like the idea of Laura Dern frightening her children with <laughs> yeah. lifelike Velociraptor models. Beautiful. Um, the crew had to have safety meetings about the T-Rex because it weighed 12,000 pounds and was very powerful. Uh, They used flashing lights to announce when it was about to come on to alert the crew, uh, because if you stood next to it and the head went by at speed, it felt like a bus going past, was how they described it. Oh my god! So it's got a lot of power in it. Wow. Mm. So that scene where where its head is like dipping into the car, Mm. that would have been quite dangerous for the kids inside the car. Well, if the head fell off, yeah, they would have been dead. Yeah, Yeah, so... uh, Yay that it didn't. <laughs> Hooray! Um, James Cameron had stated that he wanted to make this film, but the rights were bought uh, before he could bid for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, upon seeing Jurassic Park, Cameron realised that Spielberg was a better choice to direct this, as his version would have been much more vo- violent. Uh, he yeah. described it as he would have done it as like aliens with dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wouldn't have been fair to the children. Although, interestingly, the special effects uh, in this film were directly influenced by the effects used in his film Terminator 2 a few years earlier. That makes sense. Mm. Another film that I love. Yeah, oh man, that film is so good. Terminator 2 is the best. Dun, anyway. Dun, dun, dun. Have you seen Terminator 2? I've not seen Terminator 2. Okay, we know what we're doing next. Yay! <laughs> um, whilst discussing chaos theory, Ian Malcolm shamelessly flirts with Ellie Sattler. Mm. Uh, after meeting on this film, Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern got into a relationship doesn't surprise me and were engaged for two years before eventually they broke up but yeah they they yeah laura dern and jeff goldblum totally got together on this film sam neill's just like hey i mean there is that classic shot of jeff just sort of propped up shirtless Mm. it it, looking like a pin-up girl Mm. so i can't blame her Mm. nah for going there (laughs) totally totally acceptable um during the scenes with the T-Rex, Steven Spielberg would roar like one through a megaphone um, to try and let them know when the roars would be. But the cast always laughed whenever he did it. <laughs> so I don't know if he had Poor to stop Spielberg. doing it. But yeah, you can just imagine this big puppet and then just Spielberg going, Rawr. <laughs> 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 
I wonder who is in charge. There would have been like a di- the dinosaur wrangler who yes. would have been in charge of them. His name's Jeff, isn't it? Phil Tippett. Phil Tippett, Phil, that's Phil, right. Yeah, in the credits of this film, there's uh, Phil Tippett is credited as... Um, it's not, it's not dinosaur consultant, but it's something dinosaur like, supervisor. Dinosaur or supervisor. The reason he got that credit is he was a stop motion animator, oh. and um, he did a load of work with trying to make stop motion dinosaurs for this film. But Spielberg said we're not going to use it. We're going to go with the CGI instead. Um, and Phil was like, "Oh, but but I did all this stop motion stuff." And they went, "No, no, no. The CGI is going to be based off your stop motion work. Mm-hmm. So all his work is still there. It's just not done with the physical models the way he mm-hmm. would have done it." And so his role had to change, and that's why he became Dinosaur Supervisor. But then, of course, it's become a meme because you have Dinosaur Supervisor Phil Tippett, and it gets put up online, and people are going, you had one job, Phil. You had one job. Yeah, there's the meme. There's the meme. You had one job, Phil. Yeah, he's... Because um, all the dinosaurs got out. Yeah. Hilarious. But yeah, it was interesting that they were looking at doing what a lot of other films with dinosaurs had done, like in the 60s, mm-hmm. where it's all stop motion, kind of like that Harryhausen yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. Which I think would have aged it more I think so. than, than what they've currently got. But the stuff with the puppets was like, with the Triceratops puppet, Yeah, that seems beautiful. That mm. seems really, really yeah. well put together. And I think a big part of why the puppets work more so than the CGI is is they breathe mm. like you literally see um sam neil lying on this thing as it breathes and moves him up and down yeah. mm. and i think that's what makes it more lifelike to an extent it's Absolutely. like you see those signs of life you see the triceratops has got like snot like a, it, it, in the nose just like building up in a little pool and mm-hmm. like the way the t-rex and the velociraptors when they hear a sound they don't turn slowly it's very quick like a bird yeah, you know? yeah. and they mm. were going for that ornithological sort of theme with them did you know, I've just, sorry, I just went searching for the uh, dinosaur supervisor meme with Phil Tippett. He actually responded to that on Twitter. And his response to all these people being like, Phil, like, how dare you? You did such a bad job. Was, well, to be fair, there were a lot of dinosaurs. It was a large job. <laughs> a good job, Phil. Oh, nice stuff. There's only 15 minutes of dinosaur footage in this film. And it's about two hours, so it's it's spread pretty... The power of suspense, I suppose. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's done very well. Uh, nine minutes of animatronics and six minutes of CGI. Wow. So there's more puppets than there yeah. is digital. I love the puppets. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, Steven Spielberg received... You know, I'm going to get you to guess. How much money do you think Steven Spielberg made off this one film? Mm. From the, his cut of the film's gross and profit participation. Oh, it must be lots and mm. lots. Um, Ellen, do you want to guess a figure? figure of it's in the millions how much money did steven spielberg get received from this film i'm gonna go with maybe i don't know five million what do you reckon hats um i'll go with 13 million steven spielberg has the world record for most money received from an individual film he received 250 million dollars no from his cut of the film and all the profit participation i tell you what though there was a lot of merchandise my brother had a lot of like the action figurines and stuff Mm. but yeah it is the most money that's amazing an individual has made off one film he made a quarter of a billion dollars off one film Mm. to be fair i bet he has a nice house (laughs) <laughs> yes I, you know what that's a good point Steven Spielberg probably has a nice, a nice house. house we'll have to we'll have to get him on and ask him yeah, to, you yeah. can ask him questions if you want yeah yeah if we get Steven Spielberg on you can ask him questions about maybe he'll listen to the podcast yes and if you do Steven love your work although yeah. spelling the name with a v mm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm more of a ph guy myself <laughs> um after making this movie Ariana Richards who um is Lex the yeah, girl Lexi, Lexi uh, she developed an interest in dinosaurs and assisted Jack Horner real life paleontologist and advisor for this film um, on an actual dinosaur dig in Montana the following summer that's so cool yeah um, mm, and so cool. yeah and Jack Horner is who uh, Dr. Grant's based off so yeah she actually went and started doing archaeological digs after this film that's so, so good. it obviously didn't scare her too much despite the fact no. she is like the worst time in this <laughs> film <laughs> yeah she does so and just when you think like oh she's it's okay now She's crawling through the vents, like up in the ceiling, and then the raptor like shoves its head through the thing. She nearly falls down and it tries to bite her butt. It's like, oh man, mm. you just can't get your break, can you, Lex? Uh, Hammond, Sir Richard Attenborough, uh, creates dinosaurs from DNA trapped in amber. Attenborough's brother is David Attenborough, who has his own collection of animals trapped in amber for real. That's cool. This is the focus of a 2004 uh, documentary, Natural World, The Amber Time Machine. 
But I just love the fact that he's like, oh, like, I'm imagining the family gathering. Ah, hello, Richard. Oh, hello, David. Have you seen my actual amber collection? Oh, shut up, David. <laughs> well, the whole thing is, is that the actual science behind it doesn't work. Funnily enough, Murdoch University has a connection. Do they really? They do. Uh, Murdoch University, for those of you who don't know, um, is where we all met. Is where we all met. Is where yes. Harriet used to study there. Ellen and I are doing our PhDs there currently. Um, there was a study done uh, at Murdoch University that concluded that DNA cannot survive more than 6.8 million years, which would rule out extracting oh. it from the mosquitoes. Wow. So our university was the one that disproved mm. the science in Jurassic Park. Yeah, uh, yeah, Murdoch University. Uh, yeah. Ruining, ruining everything. Yeah, buzzkill central. Thanks, guys. <laughs> the gun that the game warden Muldoon uses is an Italian Franchi Spass 12, a commonly used gun in film due to its aesthetic modern appearance. Mm. Steven Spielberg kept the gun after production ended. Um, it's part of his very large private gun collection, um, and he had the stars of the film sign it. Uh, when he invites guests to his home in Beverly Hills, so when you get to go see his yeah, nice house, yeah, when I get to go to the nice um, house, he lets thing. guests shoot that gun. <gasps> you can shoot Muldoon's gun if Steven Spielberg invites you to his house, and he lets you shoot the gun. Yeah. I really hope he listens to the podcast now. Yeah, I, can we please have Harriet just holding that gun, going shoot her, shoot her, with a close up of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get on it, Mr. Spielberg, if you can. Um, Spielberg wanted the T-Rex roar to sound like a King Kong roar, particularly in the climax. Mm. Uh, King Kong was one of the big influences on this film. And it was something that you pointed out, actually, uh, Harriet, about how the gate looked like the sort mm. of King Kong. With the fire. Yeah, fire. And yeah, it, it is obviously a massive influence on this film. Um, and I think it works really well. Like, the T-Rex is is Kong. It is that impressive, otherworldly uh, creature. And it works really well. Uh, the sound that the velociraptors make when communicating is the same sound that tortoises make when having sex. Which one? The bow, bow thing. I can't even do it. <laughs> just, just when they're communicating. So when they're going, going like those chirps. Uh, that is that is the sound. Because obviously they took existing animal sounds and mixed them together. That particular that, sound is that kind of like yeah. noise. It's tortoise sex. That is hilarious. I guess they were looking for things that were reptiles were doing. Yeah, although I know that for a fact that when the T Rex is shaking the Velociraptor at the end, that's the sound of the sound editor's dog shaking a dog toy played around with. Amazing. Yeah. So I think it's a Jack Russell. It's just going. According to the website Fandango, it would cost approximately. Twenty-three billion four hundred thirty-two thousand four four hundred thirty-two million and four hundred thousand dollars to build a real-life Jurassic Park in U.S. dollars. Oh my god! Um, so if Steven Spielberg made like like ninety of these films, he could he, he could, could make he could make the real thing. Uh, cool. It would cost one point five billion dollars for the park itself, ten billion dollars to purchase an island off the coast of Costa Rica with sixty-six square miles of land. Uh, $8 million for research and legal, $9 million for harvesting dinosaur DNA, $8.5 million to clone dinosaurs from the DNA, $11 billion a year for employee payroll and operations budget, and $2 million a year for dinosaur food. Let's get on it. Yeah. Let's crowdfund that. That's true. <laughs> Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash. Indiegogo that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Oh, man. Fred Sorensen was the pilot who flew the crew off Kauai when the hurricane hit during production. He played Jock, the pilot that flew Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and is a friend of, Spiel is a friend of Spielberg's. No of course, if he was in Indiana Jones. Mm. But he can actually fly things. Amazing. And, that's yeah. so cool. So, so yeah. can Harrison Ford. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but he doesn't land them as well. So. No, he doesn't. <laughs> that's why he wasn't on this one. The ripples in the glass of water caused by the T-Rex footsteps was inspired... By Earth, Wind and Fire. Um, Steven Spielberg was listening to Earth, Wind and Fire in his car and the vibrations uh, in the bass rhythm that it caused kind of gave him the inspiration for having the vibrating foot uh, footsteps. Nice. Nice. But that effect of the water in the carp was apparently the hardest effect to create in the film mm. because they needed to get the ripple to look just right. Mm. Um, and it took them ages to work it out. They actually only worked it out the night before mm. how to make it work. Um they put the glass of water on a guitar um, while it was played and it achieved the concentric circles that Spielberg wanted. So the next morning, guitar strings were put inside the car and a man on the floor of the car plucked the strings to achieve the effect. Wow. Mm. Oh, that's Gosh. so cool. 
but it took them ages to work it out so yeah but it's like it's something that again it's really iconic it's one of the iconic things from the film the water the ripple and all that mm-hmm. um yeah but it took them ages to to work it out did they do the, the with the footprint water one as well um, did they twang some guitars i'm guessing they must have done um, yeah under the mud joseph Mazzello played uh timmy mm. a kid that gets stuck up a tree as opposed to down the well he auditioned for the role of jack benning in steven spielberg's hook a few years earlier oh, but nice. was told that he was too young um but Spielberg liked what he did because he screen tested with uh, Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, Mazzello said, uh, I was just too young for the role. And because of that, Stephen came up to me and said, don't worry about it. I'm going to get you a movie this summer. And got him Jurassic Park. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. It, that's a really tough goal. I want goal, Steven like... Spielberg to also say that to me. So yeah. yeah. House what? invitation <laughs> and that, please. Yeah, he's like, I've got something in mind. That's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a tough call, though. If you had to choose between working on a hook or working on Jurassic Park, mm. like... Oh. Well, he didn't get to choose. It was more just Spielberg no, going, I know. you're not right for this, but funnily enough... No, I know, but can you imagine, yeah. like, if like if you, if, if you were a child actor given the option, mm. like, you know, having hindsight and knowing how these two films would be just absolute classics how, how would you how would you ever choose between them mm. so we're going to finish with actors that were considered for the roles harrison ford was offered and turned down the role of dr alan oh, grant no he felt that the part wasn't right for him and after he saw the film he stood by that decision mm. that's fair and i think yeah harrison I ford i agree with that i think he's too grumpy to play that very grumpy character yeah, um, yeah. some of the other actors that were considered for grant uh, dennis quaid Oh, yeah. Kevin Cosner. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Yeah, that makes sense. And Robin Williams. Oh, wow. Robin yeah, Williams I don't think Robin Williams would have been right. No. I mean, he would have been great. He, he would have... He, he did serious mm. roles very well. Mm. But, but he wouldn't have been right for this. No. He would have He would have definitely ripped that kid's shirt open with the claw. <laughs> Spill your intestines yeah. out all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think they got that one right. Uh, some of the actors that were considered for Hammond, just a simple yes, no. Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. Well, he was Scottish, so... Mm. Yeah. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Park. It would have... Yeah, I think it could have worked. It would have been great. Um, Clint Eastwood. Wow. No. 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 <laughs> Bit too tough. He would have probably just Welcome shot the dinosaur. He needed Park. to be, like, lovable enough for you to not yeah. think he was an absolute idiot or evil. Mm. Uh, Marlon Brando. Although he got to do the island of Dr. Moreau, so maybe he kind of did this. Maybe yeah. he already did that. And the final one, John Pertwee. Oh, really? Yeah. It's John Pertwee. He played the third doctor in Doctor Who. Oh. The one who did all the kung fu and drove yeah. the yellow car. Yeah. He would have been... Venusian Aikido. Yeah. Sorry, Venusian Aikido. I feel like Aikido. he would have been all right. Uh, it, oh, man, if it was John Pertwee, though. Like, if it was the doctor building a, yeah. a park with dinosaurs. The crossover possibilities are oh, endless. Man. Just, oh, yeah, but I think they got it right with uh, with Dickie Attenborough. Yeah. Uh, lots of actresses was considered for the part of Ellie, including uh, Jodie Foster. Oh yeah. Sigourney Weaver. Oh yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. I think she's a bit pretty. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh yeah. Julia Roberts. Oh, she's probably a bit pretty. Uh, Linda Hamilton, who was Sarah Connor in the Terminator films. Yes, of oh, course. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh no. Uh, Bridget Fonda. Joan Cusack, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Sandra yeah. Bullock. Oh, mate. I kind of want to see that version. Yeah. But I... uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh yeah. She would have been quite young, but yeah, so young. Yeah, have. she would have been very young. Uh, Julianne Moore and Elizabeth Hurley. Jeez. Oh my gosh! I think the casting was so good. Although yeah. now I kind Laura of want Jones to see the Robin Williams, Sandra Bullock, John um, Pertwee. Pertwee crossover yeah. version. That, well, we'll, go, we'll get them all organised. We'll get yeah. them back out there. Uh, although, funnily enough, uh, Julianne Moore would play Dr. Sarah Harding in the second Jurassic Park oh. film. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah, she's great in that, yeah. though. So you do kind of get to see what that would have been like. Okay. Cool. Similar. Uh, and a couple of the other actors for Ian Malcolm. So this is instead of Jeff Goldblum. No, nobody else. Uh, Jim Carrey? No. No. Yeah. No, it wouldn't have worked. No, it wouldn't have Just worked. imagine all these actors shirtless. Um, and, and the leather jacket yeah. needs to look cool. <laughs> Michael Keaton? Yeah. He wouldn't have been right. No. It's just not got um, such a high standard. Johnny Depp? <laughs> like early 90s Johnny Depp? Yeah. I think he would have been too young. This would have been Edward Scissorhands' time period. Yeah, I think he would have been too young. He's got that weird kind of like 
unaging vampire face thing going on. I think he, he could have played a chaos theorist mathematician though. Yeah. Oh, it wouldn't have been yeah. as like sexy rock star, but I think he could have played it. He would have it. been the more like stereotypical mm. version rather than the like rock a star young version. version. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ted Danson. Oh wow. I don't know who that is. Uh, he Becker. was in Becker. Yeah, he was oh. Becker. Oh, he's also. Have you ever watched The Good Place? No. He's the guy with the white hair in The Good Place. I haven't watched The Good Place, he was also, but I feel like it's something you would enjoy. He was also in Cheers. Um, yes. I, f- I feel a whole load of people going, Cheers! Say Cheers! cheers. That's his biggest thing. Um, I'm and, so sorry, those people. And finally, Michael J. Fox. Wow. Oh my gosh. Mm. I can't see that one. Dark! Dark! we got to get back to the Jeep! It's chaos theory! <laughs> It's not no. gonna work. No, I think I think Jeff Goldblum was just perfect. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. That was probably my my happiest moment mm. watching that film. It's just like oh, Jeff him. Goldblum in a leather jacket. Life's oh. gonna find a way, Doc. Life's gonna find a way. Oh no. Um, <laughs> be quiet, Marty. James Cameron has said that this is who he would have cast had he been in charge of the film. Oh yeah. Uh, this is not a film I would have wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Doctor. It would have been a very different film. Grant would have been Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. That's a um, very different film. Bill Paxton as Malcolm, which actually I would see. Bill Paxton yeah, as okay, Ian yeah. would have been quite good. And playing the part of Hammond, Charlton Heston. Oh, my oh, goodness. My James Cameron, no. Welcome to Jurassic that Park. That would have been a much more violent version. Yes. Yeah, James Cameron, yeah. no. I'm glad Spielberg did this one. These are my grandkids. Keep them safe. Quick, I told the chopper. Like it would have been, yeah, would have been all those memes. And the final bit of alternate casting in the role of Muldoon, Bob Hoskins. Oh, yeah, okay. I think Muldoon is perfect. But can you imagine Bob Hoskins just like, clever bitch? Like it would have been (laughs) been very, very different (laughs) Muldoon, I think. Such a, so much more. It wouldn't have been PG. Yeah. No, it wouldn't have. No, it wouldn't have. Um, But, but yeah, I think it and then was. And I never would have seen it. Mm. Yeah. It would not have been such a big part of my childhood. But yeah, ultimately though, um, I think I think we can all agree it was a very enjoyable film. It was wonderful. A, oh, it's such a great film. I love this film. So uh, let's score the film, Ellen. Why don't you give us your score? I mean, I'd I'd probably give it like nine uh, ladle sniffing velociraptors <laughs> out of ten. Mm. Because I just love this film so much. It's just great. There's a few little things where it's like. <laughs> Yeah, like, looking at it closely, because we were watching it on, um, like, obviously it's, like, a remastered version, because it's, like, a special edition in a VHS cover, Blu-ray, or whatever the heck it is. Mm. Um, Some of the special effects aren't 100% seamless, but that's about all I could pick on, really. And like you said, sometimes the dialogue gets a little bit muddled. But the rest of it, by and large, I love this film. It's so fun. Mm. No, it's it's. Wonderful. And people get eaten by dinosaurs, which is my main thing. Yeah. That's 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 the main thing with Jurassic with the Jurassic World things. And when people are like, oh, you know, like there's such trash, and I'm like, you know what? I go to these movies for one thing, and that's to see people do dumb stuff and get eaten by dinosaurs. That's why I go and watch this franchise. Mm. So Harriet, what would you give Jurassic Park out of ten? Well, if we're if we're scoring by ladle sniffing velociraptors, I'll <laughs> continue that trend. Oh, you can score out of whatever you and want. And I oh maybe I should do. I should I'll, well I'll do um goat legs then. Okay. So uh, so out of 10 goat legs, I was sitting at 10 goat legs pretty much the whole time. I dropped down to 7 goat legs when we lost the leather jacket, mm-hmm. but then shirtless Goldbloom, which brought me back up to I'd say an 8.5 leg goat. So Yeah, yeah. so 8.5 uh, goat, go- leg- goat, goat legs. 8.5 leg goat legs. <laughs> it's okay, they're all over the place. They're like- dismembered. I think some of it's over here. I think I found some here too. They started breeding a whole new species of goat where it's mm. just the leg. Just the leg, yeah. Just for, for, for the T-Rexes. Yeah. Is, is, that, is that like that genetically modified chicken which has like 10 legs? More drumsticks for everyone. Mm. That's and terrifying. Very quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a spider. Just yeah. Yeah, that would be the chicken. worst. I feel like it's a meme or a joke or something. Yeah. I can't remember where I got that from. Somewhere on the internet. For me, I... I am very, very close to giving it a full score. Oh. I think I think it just misses out, and I think yeah. it's it's close to being a perfect film. Um, yeah. I think it's like the idea behind it is wonderful. the The way it's put together is fantastic. I don't think you could have really cast it better. No. I think we just went through a list yeah. of actors and gone. No, no, it it works as it is. Um, I feel as though. To be honest, I actually don't think there is really a way that you could have made this film better at the time. Mm. So you know what? I am going to give it 10 
shirtless gold blooms <laughs> and yes. tan. Um, I, yes. I think it's, yeah, it is one of those films which, it's yeah, it. it's, it's a classic. It's just, it's a classic. It's, I don't think you could have made that film any better at the time. No, it was brilliant. And I, I think, yeah, it is, it is, as, it's one of those films that is just as close to being mm. a perfect blockbuster mm. um, as is possible. So that brings us to an end this week. So uh, Ellen and Harriet, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for letting me bully you into having me on here. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I fought hard for this one. And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for downloading this episode. For more information about the Cinema Catch-Up Club, we can be found on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there, like the page, and you can get links to the episodes each and every week. Hey, but I want to subscribe to them, Stephen. Well, lucky for you, you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and lots of other podcasting and podcatching services. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club and hit subscribe. And if you're going, oh gee, I really like this, but I'd like to contribute something financial towards it, maybe get some extra bonus content, you can do that as well. Just go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. You can become an official patron of the club and uh, get a couple of extra goodies there. Uh, But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.